<laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> uh, I'm reminiscing. Thank you. Welcome. Technical help there. I'm reminiscing because I was engaged to my hottie back here while I was at college. And we were two states away. And that's the song I sang all the time. <laughs> and then I got married, so there we go. <laughs> so this morning we are talking about the path to stronger relationships. And the title of the sermon here is Just Say It. And it's giving honest answers to honest questions. So we're talking about um, a handful of things with you this morning, but I need this to tell my story. So I'm trying to decide what I'm going to kick over and what I'm not. Okay. All right. So the first thing I wanted to share with you, I have a picture to show you of my the cutest kid. Sorry. And I can say that because it's not for my gene pool, but seriously, <laughs> the cutest kid ever. It's not bragging. And um, this is my little man. Josh is super auditory. So this kid at his 15-month checkup was speaking in sentences, and the doctor was like, oh, you know, nature versus nurture. We're like, I think it might be both. I don't know. He's in a Greer house. So he's always been talking like crazy. And whatever he – am I? what am I doing? Because I'm hearing – use the other mic. What's wrong? I don't know. I'm playing a radio station. I'm telling stories. I'm showing pictures. like multimedia presentation here. There you go. If there's going to be technical difficulties, it's coming with the lady who can't work any machines. So my little man, super, super uber talker. So that means whatever he hears, he repeats. For a little short period of time, I would tell Drew, please don't speak because he's hilarious. He has a really funny sense of humor, but it's not as funny coming from like a one and a two year old. So Josh has a way of just trying out whatever he hears. It's a little nerve-wracking when you're a pastor's wife and your son tries out everything he hears, even at the mall. So uh, we did have one of those. What the heck? It's not exactly what he said. Was that? (laughs) Driving to someone's house in the car seat. None of us say that word, but a two-year-old. I heard it earlier that day, and I went, oh, I know when this is coming out. Thankfully, it was in the car. So when he was little, he would say, he would walk around going, I like darn nuts. We're like, darn nuts. Nuts. What are darn nuts? We tried for, I think it was a couple months, actually, to figure this out. And finally, Jen got it. She was so excited. I know what it is. I know what it is. Don Nuts. Now, we're telling you that, seriously, we watch Andy <laughs> Griffith like there's no tomorrow. And also starring Don Nuts. That's where he got it from. He likes Don Nuts. So, a couple of weeks ago, we were at the grocery store, and we were looking for some fish. And they didn't have the one we wanted. And he's like, oh, they're out of our fish. Darn nugget, is that right? Right away, he's like, just, you know, his dad says dag nabbit, so he was trying to copy him. But we watch a lot of Shark Tank and Restaurant Impossible, so he's really used to, like, you know, evaluating information. So we had watched this, this episode of Restaurant Impossible, and these people were losing a ton of money. And he says the next day in the car, you know, I think I know why that guy was losing so much money. It's because he had too many teenagers and 20 teenagers working for him, and they don't work as hard as adults. Like, he just wanted to get it out. You know, it didn't matter what he said. He just had to get this important evaluation about this restaurant. And, of course, you know, he's grown up with teenagers and 20 teenagers. That's his siblings. So, for them, that, that's different than adults. His sisters aren't really adults. They're kind of adults-ish, sort of. The next picture I want to show you is of my two cute cranberry baby boys. Ollie is in the gray, little Mr. Oliver. And Kimmy says every good story with Oliver involves food, which is kind of true. 
And, of course, she was pregnant with twins, and so he always found her snack stash, so that may be a little bit why. But a few weeks ago, Jen had some cinnamon rolls that she had up on the top of their, actually, their little play kitchen, the back part of it, because she was going to bring them to the women's retreat. And so she had put the babies to bed, so Oliver is supposed to be in bed right now. And she's in her room, and all of a sudden, she sees him come sneaking out, and he's doing this. And I'm not exactly sure why, because none of us walk like this ever, but he's sneaking very quietly. He kind of has the sneaking thing down, and he's tiptoeing, and she's just looking at him like, what are you doing? She watches him go into the kitchen, and by the time she gets there, he's got one foot up on the stool, one foot on the kitchen, you know, and he's like, I'm just going to have one. Ollie whispers when he's in trouble, because I think it's less of an infraction if you whisper it than if you say it out loud. (laughs) He'll be like, supposed to be napping at my house. I, I'm looking at Josh's Legos, Jamie. He calls me Jamie. Yes, I see that, but you need to be in bed, sweet boy. So he's whispering, I'm just going to have one. And she comes over to him, Ollie, you're supposed to be in bed. And he puts his hands right on her face. Don't you understand? I'm just going to have one. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> he likes to answer for you. You know, Can I have some of that? Yes, that's a good idea. Sure. <laughs> Um, Jen and Drew have a friend that cracks me up, but he will do the smile and nod no matter what you ask him, like he's not really listening. Did you enjoy the movie last night? Can you help me? What, what is that? He just smiles and nods. It's hilarious. You know, change the subject if you can. Little Liam in the red. We've talked a little bit about his little feisty, uh, strong will. It comes from his mommy and his Grammy. Can't even deny it. We, Kimmy was changing a diaper of one of the twins a couple months ago at our house and she asked Liam something and he goes, whatever. And all of our heads popped up. We're like, whatever? Whoa, that's a new one. And she goes, what did you say? And he starts from back here, but he walks over and leans down. What ever? Like in case you weren't clear, let me tell you how I feel about this. And you know, he'll change in an instant, but it's hilarious. The expression that comes out. So Kim and Kimmy was telling him, you know, Liam, I need you to come here. No. We heard that a bazillion times. That's what childhood was like with my children, my big kids. No. Liam, I need you to come here. Never. I am never coming here. In case you were unclear, Mom. And so a couple of days this went on, and, and Liam, I mean, Kimmy and Aaron sat down with him and said, listen, you are not allowed to say the word never. No more. You cannot say it. You're being too disrespectful. That is not a word you're allowed to use. So a few days after that, Liam, you need to stop that. Nev. <laughs> I promise you I'm not making this up. She goes, what did you say? Nev. You know, like, never. <laughs> he cracks me up. <laughs> So maybe you're like one of these examples, and when you have difficult conversations, maybe you can't just get the right words out, and you get stuffed on that. And maybe like Ollie, you sneak around the subject a little bit. Maybe you change the subject. And maybe like Liam, you avoid it at all costs, whether you're saying never or nev. The truth is, honest conversations are uncomfortable for us, giving honest answers. And sometimes we respond in a lot of different ways. And probably we respond in all of those ways, depending on the conversation, depending on the circumstance. You know, honest, honesty in a relationship 
takes courage. It takes courage to give the honest answer, to be vulnerable, to answer difficult questions, and really to, to start a conversation or to respond in a way when we don't really know how the other people are going to react. Truthfully, it can terrify us like almost nothing else can. Have you ever in your life been reluctant to have an honest conversation with someone about a sensitive subject? You knew you needed to have it, but then at the moment you were going to have it, you kind of lost your nerve. And it was something, you know, you've been thinking about and you knew that it was important, but you lost your you lost your nerve to do it. There's a story in the Bible about a woman of amazing courage. A woman who would step up in the face of very difficult circumstances to do something courageous. And her name was Esther. Now, I don't have a time to go through the whole, read through the whole story in the Bible right now, but let me, let me kind of give you an overview uh, for those of you who may not be familiar with the story. So it starts out, the nation of Israel has been taken into captivity by Persia, which is modern-day Iran. And King Xerxes decides he's going to have a party. And this is a lavish party, a very long party. It lasted seven days. On the last day of this party, he decides, I'm going to show off my beautiful wife Vashti, the queen, to all the people there. And it was kind of an embarrassing situation for her. So he called on Vashti to come so he could show her off. And Vashti decides, I'm not going to be made a spectacle of. So she doesn't come. And the king banishes her from his presence. So as you can, you can imagine, the king's not very happy now that he no longer has his trophy wife. So he gets basically his personal attendants get together and they come up with this idea to have like a beauty pageant where the king can choose from any beautiful woman, any beautiful virgin woman in the entire kingdom. And to make a long story short, he chooses Esther. Now, the king's right hand man, Haman, Haman, Haman hates the Jews. He hates them. He wants all the Jews to be killed. And so he has the king sign an edict to that effect that all the Jews would be put to death. Mordecai, Esther's uncle, tells her that if she doesn't go before the king and, and have this difficult conversation with the king, uh, on their behalf, and all the Jews in Persia would be put to death. And I'm going to read you, starting in Esther chapter 4, uh, where it continues. Esther chapter 4, verse 10. It says this, Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, All the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman to approach the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that he be put to death. The only exception to this is for the king to extend the golden scepter to him and spare his life. But 30 days have passed since I was called to go to the king. When, Esther, when Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this message. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. And you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but you have come to this royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. 
So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. So here's what you have. I want you to look at verse 16 if you have your Bibles. I will go to the king, though it is against the law. She says, and if I perish, I perish. What brings a person to the place where they're able to confront their fear, to overcome their fear and, 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 and risk it all? You know, as I was thinking that through, I thought to myself, I think it's often a desperate need to want to see change in your life, even change in someone else's life around you or change in your own life where you're willing to risk, take that risk, the fear that you may have to sit down and have that conversation. You want to see change. Esther realized that she was the only one who was in a position to make a difference here. So she didn't let her fear overcome her. Instead, she confronted that that fear with courage. I think for many of us in our own lives, we realize that we need to have some difficult conversations with people. We need to have those conversations and and that fear does does seem to, to boil up in us. But we need to be more like Esther. And instead of letting fear control the day. Have courage control the day. Face our our challenging conversations with courage and overcoming the difficulties. Well, how do we do that? How do we we face our challenging conversations with courage? Let me give you a few thoughts. First, we need to realize that, that our conversation could save someone's life. And you think, save someone's life? Now, I'm not just meaning their physical life, though that could happen. My grandfather was an alcoholic. And he went to the doctor one time and the doctor confronted him and said, listen, if you don't stop drinking, you are going to die. And my grandfather stopped drinking. 70s. He's in his 70s all his life. He was an alcoholic. And the doctor confronted him and said, if you don't stop, you're going to die. He stopped. I know another person. She was an alcoholic and, 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 and no one really wanted to confront it. It was kind of the elephant in the room. And so everybody was just like, you know, I, you know, I, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to talk to her about it. She ended up dying of alcohol abuse. It can save having those conversations can save a person's life. It can save them from losing their job. I mean, how many of us know people who have gone and been fired from multiple jobs because of some personality flaw or some 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 difficulty, specific behavior? You would think that the person would figure it out. You'd think that they would basically get the hint, but they don't. And part of the reason why they don't get the hint, part of it is that maybe no one ever sat them down in love and confronted them and pointed these things out. And so they go on and they go on and they go on and they lose job after job after job. Listen, it's not your responsibility for what a person does after you have the conversation. But I think we should at least love the person enough to have that talk, to have that conversation. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 5 says this. Listen to this verse. I would write this down. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Open rebuke is called life-giving rebuke. In Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 31, life-giving rebuke. I love that. It's life-giving. It can change someone's life. To sit down with them and be honest with them could change their life. It could change their marriage. I remember um, this couple came to us years ago and they were ready to call it quits. 
And she basically said, he doesn't love me anymore. He doesn't spend any time with me. And then to make up for it, he goes out and buys me gifts. And he basically looked at her and said, I don't buy you gifts to make up for anything. I buy you gifts because I want to show my love and appreciation for you. He went on to say, I show her love and she throws it right back in my face. Why should I spend time with someone who doesn't love me? They were two ships that passed the night when it comes to their love languages. He, he was expressing his love to her, gifts, giving of gifts, his love language, and not her love language, time, quality time. And once they figured that out, it had a dramatic change in their relationship. Honest conversations can, can create incredible breakthroughs if, we're, if we just take the time to have them. They were having a misunderstanding when it comes to their love languages. We also can help people and save people from, uh, from difficult relationships by having a conversation when it comes to the future. I mean, we as parents are responsible to, to sit down with our kids and point out areas of their lives, personality areas, certain things, behavioral issues that they will be involved in that will affect them in the future. We need, when, we, when our children were growing up, we would sit down with them. We would point out areas of their lives that were not going to fly very well with their boss, their future boss, or their friends, or their spouse. And we would explain to them that this type of behavior is going to have a negative effect throughout your entire life. And we try to point that out. It is our responsibility as parents to sit down and not let our kids get on, you know, American Idol and, and sing, right? If they can't sing. How many times have you seen someone sing an American Idol? And then the, and Simon would, or, the, or the judge would say, well, who told you you could say, oh, my parents. I've been seeing my parents for years. They think I'm fantastic. That's child abuse. <laughs> I mean, say, sweet, I love your singing, but, you know, you know and they start, when they start to go on American Idol, you, you have to sit them down and have a conversation. We as parents are responsible for checking and watching the behavior of our children and making sure that behavior is not going to critically um, have a, a negative effect on their future relationships. Another way that we can, that we can uh, meet our challenging conversations with courage is to realize that God is in control and that he has placed us where we are for a specific reason, for a specific purpose. Look at verse 14. Look at verse 14. It says, For, uh, for, in you, uh, if, for if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that, uh, who knows but that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. She was there for such a time as this. To have that conversation with the king for such a time as this. How do you know you were not put in that person's life at work for such a time as this? No one wants to have the conversation. But how do you know you're not put in that place at work for such a time as this? How do you know you're not put in your school for such a time as this? How do you know you're not put in your neighborhood for such a time as this? God has put us in certain places at certain times so that we can effectively influence other people. Okay, now Deb's going to talk about how, how some of the difficult conversations uh, that we have in our lives, we try to avoid in, in our different circumstances. This past fall, 
I walked from my foyer into my garage, and I was going to get in my car, just like I do every other day. So I have a lot of curly hair, and so I was reaching into my purse for my keys, and I was stepping, and I stopped short because this is what I saw. Let me tell you about something about me and snakes. I don't like it. So this is what I did. Josh, of course, was with me and thought this was fantastic. He didn't know whether to be like giddy over the snake in the house or how hilarious I looked, like jumping around like the girl that I am. And so I um, wanted this snake, which was right behind my car. Now, can I tell you, my garage door was closed, and this was in my home. I don't care that it was my garage. It was inside. And so he looks at me, and he goes, oh, I've been waiting for this to happen. <laughs> and I look at him like... You have been waiting to find a snake in the garage? I'm like, did he, like, lure that thing in? What was he doing in the middle of the night? He's a sleepwalker. You never know. And I, look, I said, you have been waiting for a snake to be in the garage? And he just gives me that boy smile. Well, no, I've been waiting to catch one so easily. <laughs> so the next few minutes, we're, we're struggling to get this thing out because everything we did made it go further into the garage. And I'm just, like, just not happy about it. And I'm trying to shake off the willies, and he just giggled through the whole entire thing. Thought it was fantastic. So even this Friday night, he went out, and he's moving wood in our wood pile, and he's looking for snakes. And then he comes in, and he's making a whole plan on what he and Dad are going to do on Saturday. And this is what he did last night, just before dinner. This is what I get. I got a, Mom, can you see the, yeah, he's got a little tiny snake there. You know, he's grown up his whole entire life with teenager and 20-nager sisters. So he's developed a sense of fashion. He really cares about fashion. He, he has opinions, I should say. His opinions on a fashion. So we were shopping at Kohl's one day, and he picked out a dress for me. This one. It might have been something that perhaps I walked by. It might not have caught my eye the same way it caught his. But he picked it out and had me try it on and thought it was fantastic. So this is my tribute to my son. I could not not buy this. So here I am wearing a snake. <laughs> this is love. <laughs> there will, however, be no reptiles inside the house. I have tanks galore outside the house for that. Yes. So maybe, like me, you walk into your garage just like a normal day, and you find yourself confronted with something that you'd rather not deal with. A something that you come up in your conversations. Maybe as a parent, you're getting a little pestered by your kids. Maybe it's another adult pestering you, and you give the standard response. Just a sec. In a minute. How many times do you say that in a day, right? You could say that like a hundred times in a day. And as funny as it is to address this, honestly, if you gave the honest answer, you would cut down on your irritation and on your stress. If you would say, I will be available in 15 minutes. One, it would teach your little people and your big people to wait which is a good thing. We don't expect to wait ourselves, and we don't ask other people to wait either. But we don't really tell them the truth. Or you can say, I can get to that tomorrow. Or never. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's funny, but we want to work on getting the exact words that we need to say. You want to tell the truth so that they know what to expect. In another scenario, we don't really answer the question that we're being asked. Your spouse, your family, a friend, somebody will ask you, what's wrong? And you say, nothing. Hmm. Right? And that's not really true. Even though that's code for, I'm upset and I'm not telling you right now. Right? 
It's not the truth. What would be helpful to say is, I'm working through my feelings about whatever. Or, or I haven't processed this completely, but I do want to talk to you about it. It's just easier sometimes to give the quick little quips and it's not as helpful for your relationship. Or someone will say, um, they ask for something and you'll say, fine, but you don't really get to it right away. And all of a sudden you haven't really communicated. They're expecting something, but you haven't really addressed the situation so that there's seeds of frustration there. Silence falls into this category as well. People say silence is consensus. Other people said, I never said I agreed with you. Don't be quiet. Just say what you need to say. So I want to encourage you, don't tiptoe around the subject. Just say it. In the last scenario, we don't give an honest answer, but we don't keep quiet either. Parents will say, and maybe you've heard this, adults growing up, because I said so. Or if you live in my house, or as long as you're living in my house, right? Because I said so has a place in early childhood, but after that, it is entirely ineffective. Mm -hmm. The only purpose in saying because I said so in the first place is to teach your little kids, you have to learn to obey because God says so. After that, you know, our kids ask a lot of why questions. We want to answer those why questions. Even if they're not being asked in the best way, we want to answer the why questions. We want our kids to own their own faith. We want them to develop their convictions. We want them to understand why we believe what we believe. We want them to have a sensitive conscience to the sin that's going on or the behavior or the choices that we're making. You want to speak heart to heart. You don't want to list the rules. Why is it important to you? More than likely because God says it's important. So explain that. Isaiah 118 says, come let us reason together, says the Lord. We have the ability to come together and reason through the conversations that we need to have. This is important in healthy peer relationships as well, whether it's spouses or your adult siblings or coworkers, whatever, friends. Explain your convictions. Explain your feelings. Even when it's hard to give them an honest answer, mm-hmm. explain that. And I want to flip it around for a minute. We have a lot of students in here today. And I want to encourage you, you know, First off, let me just tell you, I want to speak on behalf of all parents here. We are irritating. Seriously, we know it. It's not a surprise to us. And there's even a verse. Do not, do not exasperate your children. We don't even get a verse like that about kids. We're not told don't exasperate. I mean, kids don't exasperate your parents. We're the ones told not to exasperate our kids. We know we don't get it right all the time. But I want to encourage you. And Kim and Jen did this to us at different times growing up. And we gave them permission to do it. I mean, we, we put it out there as an option. But if you speak to your parents when they're communicating in a way or they're making a face or they're making eyes in a way or whatever that makes you so frustrated and not want to do the right thing, respectfully sit down with them and talk to them about it. Because I think the majority of parents here would receive that. I really do. You have, you have the total right to say to your parents, I love you and I want to do the right thing, but something about... What we're bringing out on each other is just really making me make, not want to make the right choice. So it's okay to have the courage to be respectful and have the honest conversation with your parents as well. It helps them grow as people too. We don't get a you know, free get-out-of-jail card on everything that we do just because we've become parents. And we don't get it right just because we have kids. So one last thing um, I want to encourage you. Avoid, instead of avoiding conversations, Instead of avoiding the conversations that you should have, get the courage to face it and talk it through. And one last helpful insight. It's good to understand the difference between an internal processor and an external processor while you're having these conversations. So let me just give you some descriptions real fast. An internal processor is all about thinking it through, and an external processor is all about talking it through. In our house, can you guess which ones we have? 
we got a house full of external processors. Fun times. And I think it's kind of ironic in a lot of the marriage counseling, the premarital classes, almost always there's one in one, which is just, I think, even a little harder because you don't necessarily think through what the other person or think how the other person is processing. So an internal processor is thinking it through. They have a hard time keeping up with lots of content because they're trying to process through what you were saying, but they're doing it in here. They may not say much in the moment, so it may seem like they're ignoring you. And for a verbal processor, that's super frustrating. They may get overwhelmed because there's so much information, and then they either get upset or they shut down. What they need to do, they should absolutely set aside time after they've been able to process to talk about it again. External processors are talking it out. They will cover lots of ground. They will say too much in the moment, no doubt, okay? May seem like they're not listening because they're talking so much, and they may jump all over the place. They may connect the dots because they're processing and talking about a bunch of different things. What an external processor should do, they need to wrap up at the end of talking it out, at the end of communicating. After they've processed and talked it all out, they need to get a conclusion, if that makes sense, so that you can look at the verbal processing and then what they actually have landed on, the conclusion on what they believe. So in light of that, it's important to become a student of your family, of your peers, of anybody that you're in close relationship with so you can understand how they're processing information and then you can communicate more effectively. So as we, as we close out, I really want to encourage you, we want to encourage you to move forward in spite of your hesitation because I think that's one of the biggest problems. You know, we think about, like you're all sitting there right now, a lot of you are thinking, man, I wish I didn't come this morning because I feel convicted about having this conversation and I don't want to have it. But I really, we really want to encourage you this morning to move forward in spite of your hesitation. I know that tough talks can bring out a lot of stress. They can be very stressful. But you can't allow that stress or that fear to stop you from doing what you know to be right. You have to face those challenging conversations with courage the same way Esther did. Esther spoke up. Obviously, she, can you imagine the stress that was going on in her life? Having to go before the king and have this conversation, knowing it could be life or death for her. And I think some of us have that same fear, if you will. Like if we have this conversation, it's, it's life and death. It's the death of my relationship. If I go to that person at work and have this conversation, they're never gonna, it's going to be stressful and all this kind of thing. And, and we have this life and death kind of scenario in our minds. But like Esther, we need to have the courage to move forward in our tough conversations. We need to move forward as well. What you need to do is you need to ask yourself a few questions before you go into the conversation. You need to ask yourself, do I have the other person's best interest at heart? As a believer in Jesus Christ, the conversation is not about how you can put that person in their place or tell them which end is up or all those kinds. I'm going to go tell that person because they've said this all the time. People don't usually confront until they're so angry they don't care anymore. And then they just unleash their wrath on the person they're talking to. They can't take it anymore. And so then you muster up whatever. It's not even courage. It's just anger. And it comes blurting out because you can't take that person anymore. Instead, take a step back and ask yourself, do I have the other person's best interest at heart? That's biblical. And then you pray. You pray to God and ask God for wisdom and guidance. So before you get into the conversation, ask yourself, have you, have you spent time, have I spent time in prayer 
asking God for wisdom and for guidance. Those are important things you need to do. You need to make sure that you have thought through what you'd like to say. Ask Again, ask yourself, have I taken the time to think through what I want to say? And then, you know, are, am I in the right place? Am I going to this conversation with a loving spirit? Am I going to walk into this conversation with a loving spirit? See, that's the, the, those are the kind of questions that you need to ask yourself when you're going into a conversation, a tough conversation like this. Because it puts you in a different place. It puts you, your demeanor is different. You're, you're, remember last, uh, I think it was last week, Deb was talking about 97, 93% of communication is nonverbal. Only 7%, okay, is verbal. So when you walk into a conversation, a person's already reading what you're saying. It was amazing yesterday. I was, I was uh, working with, with someone yesterday and they, they wanted me to show them something specific. And the person had a, a different handicap. They had a, a disability and they really couldn't speak well at all. I couldn't understand what they were saying. But because of their, the eye contact that we had and the, the, the physical gestures they laid out, I knew exactly what they were saying. And I was able to help them. 93%. So as you go into these difficult conversations, make sure you ask those questions. Do I have the other person's best interest at heart? Have I spent time in prayer asking God for wisdom and for guidance? When I go into this conversation, do I, do I have a loving spirit? And have I thought through what I want to say and what I don't want to say? Because you don't want to get caught up in saying things that you really don't want to say. And if you get to that point, you just take a step back and say, you know, let me process through this again and I'll come back to you. But if you do those things, I really believe the other person's going to respond. And again, here's, 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 here's the bottom line. If you go into a conversation, I believe that every single one of you can live with Going in and, and you can live with the consequences of making the right choice of having the conversation, but you cannot live with the consequences of being silent, the regret that will come with being silent. Because there is a regret, there is a price for being silent in our relationships with one another. The loss of that relationship, the loss of what you wanted to say to someone. So make sure you take the time, even this week, to pray about this. To think about someone. Let's bow our heads. Just bow your heads with me as we close out here. And as, as, we, as we just go before the Lord, what person is coming to your mind right now with whom you need to have an honest conversation? Who is it that's coming to your mind? Maybe the entire service they were coming to your mind. Ask God to give you the courage to speak. To speak to them in love. And ask God to go before you. And to prepare that person's heart. So there'll be fertile soil for when you speak, you plant healthy seeds. Father God, thank you for this time that we can spend together. Father, thank you for relationships. And we all just pray, dear God, together as a family, that you would help us to have these difficult conversations. 
that you would walk with us into these difficult conversations, that you would allow us through your Holy Spirit to speak the right words, that they would receive what we have to say from our hearts, Lord God, that they would understand that we have their best interest in mind, that we have a desire for a deeper, more intimate relationship with them, or we wouldn't have the conversation. And Lord, let us express those words, to be vulnerable with them and express those words that you would be glorified through it all. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.